So, welcome to Songs of Redemption, Moses Leonard Cohen and the Broken Hallelujah. And I really want to start with the second B'nai Israel has crossed the Sea of Reeds, which we believe to be the Red Sea, but it's unclear, ask any academic. And the verses, the minute they cross, because there's some significant questions that arise immediately. So who would like to read first, English or Hebrew, or both? doesn't matter. Okay, Okay. so what is the translation? Okay, uh, thus the Lord delivered Israel that day from the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore of the sea, and when Israel saw the wondrous power which the Lord had wielded against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, they had faith in the Lord and his servant Moses. Okay. Obvious question. What are some obvious, like, screaming questions from the text? Right? They cross the sea. Now Israel sees, right? Hashem's wondrous powers, God's great powers. They fear Hashem. They have faith in the Lord. They have faith in the Lord and his servant Moshe. In fact, who been Moshe Abdel. Okay, what is, what is, what's going on here? There's some things that just don't quite add up after ten plagues, right? What, what, what is, what's the, the, the question, the obvious question? Why, why now do they have so long? Beautiful. Yeah, why why now do they have faith? Yeah. Why else? What? Wait, you have ten plagues, right? And you, you left. <laughs> and you left. Mitzrayim, so why now is there faith, okay? Now, I bolded Abdo, why? You bolded Abdo, servant. I should have bolted it on the English side. Okay. I don't read any books. So, this is the first time Moshe's ever called Eved Hashem. Really? Right here. In fact, when you read on and Eved Hashem, the servants of God. Oh. He is known as Eved Hashem. Amongst many other names, right? Moshe Rabbeinu. This is the first time he's called Eved Hashem. And in fact, later on, you'll also see, we're not going to include that in today, but later on, you'll also see when Miriam comes out, with the, with the tambourine and the women, that's the first time she's called Nivia and by her name. We never hear Miriam called until, right? We're not, we're not talking about that today. That was my brochure that I gave at Nitibo Chalom and Tine. Okay, Moshe, now, now you've called Evan Hashem? Abdo. Abdo means he's Evan, servant of who? Servant of Hashem. Right here, I'm gonna say God. What gives? Why? They didn't believe. They didn't believe until this point. They only they, believed when he killed all of the they, Egyptians who drowned in the sea. But they constantly believed, didn't believe, believed, didn't believe. Okay. 
Beautiful. You know, even when they were about to cross into Israel yeah. after this point, they had right. doubts and they did the golden calf and then the, they can't, but everyone has, like you go through times where you believe and times where you don't okay. believe back and forth in your life, so they're not different from anyone else. Okay, okay. Other thoughts? I think this is the first time that, that they saw Egyptians die, some died, mm -hmm. some didn't. This mm -hmm. is the first time mm -hmm. that uh, they actually believe that they are free. Mm. That they're now really free. They're now really free because they're not in Mitzrayim. Mm -hmm. They left Mitzrayim. Mm -hmm. um, no one's going to attack them because they just drowned mm -hmm. in the sea. Mm -hmm. Did Pharaoh and drown? Also? No, no, they say that he did. It's not clear, right? Right, because uh, it says only they all died except for one okay. or something like that. Um, and also, um, there's a famous Rashi here that how could they see them drown? <clears throat> how did they know they were all dead? Maybe they came out on the other side. So Rashi comments that the waves spit them out on the shore, and then they saw all the bodies on the shores of uh, Yamsuf. So that's how they were able to see. Bayar, how could they see if they drowned? Right. They wouldn't be able to see. They're stuck in down below. So I think that sometimes um, you know, this was uh, like they were totally reassured. We are free now. But it's like people see miracles all the time in their life and they don't recognize right. them as miracles and then something happens and you think, wow, that was a miracle, but like you have miracles all the time. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. Like so, so many miracles, but they it took this so it took this event for them so to say I can tell you this. This is the time of first this is the actual first song ever sung. Right here. Sharahaya. First song, and then Midrash comments on that as well. So you have first song, and being that is the first song, right? And the Midrash will comment that it is related to their newfound faith, their actual faith, right? So, this, so to me, I think I love your idea of belief and disbelief, but at the same time, something happens here when they cross. Something significant happens. And there's a whole argument about, does Moshe start the song and then they repeat what he says? Do they all say it in unison? Some major shift happens to the minute they cross. I want to look at it. I want to look closely at it and where we're taken with the Midrash. So if I can ask one of you, um, actually before we go there, I want to look at number two, which is actually the verses that follow right after this first source and it's the verses related to Shirat Hayam. So perhaps Shelley, would you like to read that in English? Then, <clears throat> then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and might. He has become my deliverance. This is my God, and I will enshrine him. The God of my Father, and I will exalt him. Okay, great. Um, this is the beginning of the Song of the Sea, right? Now, I want you to notice the word Oz, which of course I bolded on one side, not on the other. Oz. Oz is an interesting word. Where is, which it word is, is that? It's then. Then. Then is Oz? Yes. In Hebrew. Okay. When I say then, what do I mean? What could I mean when I say then? At, at that moment. At that moment? 
or after Next, something, after, after something, something happened, happened then, then, and then they said. Okay, so, so this first this happened, then they. Right. I mean, it's an odd thing. I mean, why don't they just start singing? Right. Right. Then, what's the then? Now, in some of the commentaries, they say this then points to the future. There's some sort of messianic piece to this. Because of Yashir, right? 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 Very odd. Az Yashir. Right? Then they will sing. Right? It's not clear is this in the present or in the future, but I'm going to bring us back to the present because I like to live in the present. Okay? Az Yashir, Moshe and Israel, this Az. And I have to tell you, the Midrash plays with this Az. There are six, seven different ideas that they pull with this Az, but I want to use this Az to help us answer our questions. Okay, so let's look at source three, which is from the Midrash Shemot Rabbah, and it's going to talk about the then. What does this then mean? Okay, so um, Cheryl, do you want to read number three? Okay. Another explanation of then Moshe and the children chose to sing. Moses said before God, Master of the world, with the very word which I have sinned before you now, may I praise you. Similarly, Moses said before the Holy One, blessed be he, is he. I know that I sinned before you with the word then, as it's stated from then that I came to Pharaoh, and now behold, you have drowned him in the sea. Therefore, I now praise you with the word then. This is which is written, then Moses chose to sing. Come and see the way of the righteous precisely with that which they do wrong. They rectify their wrong So let's go over this. So another explanation of the Az or the then is Moshe says to Hashem, Master of the world, that I'm going to use the same word with which I sinned to now sing your praises. I'm going to use the word. I used this word back in the day. We're going to go figure out where he used this word. And I sinned. I made a huge mistake. Okay? And we're going to try to understand this and we're going to use Leonard Cohen to help us a little bit. Okay? Um, what is he talking about? When? And he says, and he specifically says, you know, when I was with Paro. You know when the whole thing happened with Paro? Right? When I came to Paro. Something happened first time he comes to Paro. He comes to Paro many times, okay? But this Oz features very predominantly when he goes to Paro. So what I, what I was going to ask the group was to study in Chavruta. Maybe like a three-way Chavruta. I don't know how you want to do it. And I'm just going to explain that I'd like you to just look at sources four, five, and six. Um, actually, four, five, and six. Four, five, yes, four, five, and six, and you're gonna and you're gonna read about the story of what happened. And basically, we know, right? Moses kills the Egyptian. He runs to Midian. Right? He marries his wife. He sees Hashem. Hashem tells him. God tells him. He's God at the burning bush, and he says, "Go back. You have to go back. Go free my people." They have a whole conversation. I don't want to go. He shows him some signs. And he goes back. Okay? Source number four is when he first gets back. Okay? He comes back. It's source number four. And I would like you to look at that language in source number four. There's an interesting word that is used there. But it's not us. It's another word. Okay? 
Number five is, okay, now I'm going to go to Paro, right? This is, this is the mission. And you're going to see Paro's response. And number six is, and we all know what Paro's response was overall, number six is the fallout. The fallout. So number, so number four is the welcome back. Moshe comes back. Who he talks to, there's a special word I want you to look for. Okay. The, the approach to Paro. And number six, okay, the fallout. And in this, I want you to tell me, what did Moshe do wrong? What was the sin? What was the most, and he did something pretty outrageous. Okay? Pretty outrageous. All right, so I'm going to give you ladies a couple, maybe okay. a little. Why don't, why don't I just listen? Because I'm probably not as experienced and knowledgeable. No, 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 I don't have a Jewish so, education. So, no. You know, like experience. you raise children, sure. you're experienced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not so, so I'm saying I don't know the. I'm not, I, so, so, so I now do it in other angles. I teach this, so I'm so, okay. So, so that's why I'm saying so you guys are balanced. Everybody has something to contribute. Okay, so uh, we'll do the English because that's where everybody yeah, is, and I'll speak what they have real well. So, so you want to read the English? Um, Cheryl. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled the elders of the Israelites. Aaron repeated all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and he performed the signs in the sight of the people. And the people were convinced when they heard that the Lord had taken note of the Israelites and that he had sent their plight, seen their plight, they bowed low in homage. Now, just to refresh my memory, so Moses knew Aaron was his brother. Yes. He, he always knew that? It seemed like he did. But he, didn't he grow up thinking like... In the palace, but mm -hmm. there must yeah. have been some kind of a connection that, um, he, that he knew. Because um, his mother is the one who nursed him. When he was little, right? So, so he knew he knew his he knew he always knew he was a Jew and that this was his brother, right? Um, it seems like it's okay. from the Hebrew. So he he saw God, then he went back and he spoke to Aaron. Already they were working together. Yeah, well, God sent him, so this was a obeying God's will. So whether he wanted to, or he was following God's orders, who said. Go back, and your brother. Even let's put it this way: even if he didn't know his brother, had, um, God told him that his brother Aaron is going to come and meet him. So, one way or another. Okay. But this presumes that all the Jews, because it says when they heard that the Lord had taken note of the Israelites, that presumes that all the Israelites knew that Moses was a Jew, even though he was living with the Pharaoh and everything. Or maybe after he did these uh, signs, you know, he had to do. He had to, um, uh, let's see, what did he do? He did, he took his hand and he put it into his, so, whatever you call it, and then he became a leper, and um, then he took, you know, the stick, and it became, you know, he had to do different he signs. He did miracles. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, all right. So and the translation here is not so good because in verse 31, and the people were convinced the, the root that the Hebrew is learning is that they believed him, had faith in him. So that would, I think, come back to us that that word appears earlier. It seems that they had faith before. Now, I mean, that's the Hebrew word. In English, it's not so good. Right. You see the word convinced in 31? Right. 
So what are we supposed to take away from this paragraph? So it seems that uh, they seem to have believed in him before and then um, we began the lesson by saying and the Jews saw the hand of God and um, they feared him and believed in him. So, but didn't they believe in him before? I mean, I don't, I don't know, that's my choice of word, but go for it. <laughs> she said that we should find a word that, okay, that we should find a word um, that seems, what did you say, like out of place or something, unusual, shouldn't be. Something that sort of just jumps out yeah. and doesn't, doesn't make, doesn't seem to fit in. Right. But I don't know if it's here or it's later. Right. Or no, she's still here. When it's in the fourth and so let's see. Perform the signs in sight of the people. That's Moses. So that's not clear. Good question. Because it's not clear whether it's Aaron? Moses or Aaron, right? Okay. We're going to assume it's Moses because Moses was told to do the 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 signs in the previous chapter. Okay. So we're going okay. to assume he's following God's uh, directions. Okay. Okay, so what's odd about this? It doesn't yeah. seem odd to me. She was looking for a word. I mean, for me, the word is too... Well, they bow low in homage. Is that normal, to bow? bow? Yeah, the, the feather mm -hmm. bowing it. Well, I, I mean, know. we don't bow mm -hmm. to yeah, people. But, but that was like, you know, when Aaron saw I was... Yeah, but okay. bowing is like um, Catholics, you know. No, we, we do uh, bow in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But prayer and praying to God. Right. This is bowing to a person. Okay. Yeah. So it's not clear because it says over mm. here they had faith in God and it could be that bowing is also uh, their um, tribute to God who they recognize has recognized their suffering. Mm -hmm. But we could use that as a word, I mean, as something that's unusual. Do you have any thoughts? No, I'm trying to look at Ryan. I mean, we could... Uh, I don't know, what do you think it is? I have no idea. I think the word, um, what they... They say convinced, uh -huh. which is have faith. Okay. And if that's the case, how come it says later on, which we began, and they seem to have. <coughs> it seems that they had faith here after they saw what happened across mm -hmm. the sea, but it seems to say that they had faith um, and they believed in God. So. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they were convinced. Well, they were convinced. If they already had faith, why did they need to be convinced? What? What does it say that they had faith? Yeah, at the very beginning. beginning. Right. The, the, very beginning. the, uh, the first one was faith in the Lord. Lord and his servant. Well, it seems that they were already there yeah. here. I think it becomes. What is, what is performed the signs? 
Um, Moses had to perform signs. Oh, those are the those are, right, right. That, um, yeah, yeah, when when he said when right, he right. complained to God that they're not going to yeah, listen to me, he, he said, okay, here are the signs yeah. and yeah. do it, and they'll believe you. And they did. They believed. Right. This will come out um, as important as we move on to the next two sources, and I think okay. leads to his sin. So maybe we should read yeah, that. Go on. Right. Okay, who do you want yeah, to read English? Uh, I, um, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Paro, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a festival for me in the wilderness. But Paro said, Who is the Lord, that I should heed him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. They answered, The God of the Hebrews has manifested himself to us. Let us go, we pray a distance of three days into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he strike us with pestilence or sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you distract the people from their task? tasks? Get to your labors. And Ara continued, the people of the land are already so numerous, and you would have them cease from their labors. That same day, Paro charged the taskmasters and foremen of the people, saying, You shall no longer provide the people with straw for making bricks as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, but impose upon them the same quota of bricks as they have been making heretofore. Do not reduce it, for they are shirkers. That is why they cry, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid upon the men. them keep at it and not pay attention to deceitful promises. So the taskmasters informed of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Paro, I will not give you any straw. You must go and get the straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but there shall be no decrease whatever in your work. Then the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw, and the taskmasters pressed them, saying, You must complete the same work assignment each day as when you had straw. And the foremen of the Israelites, whom Paro's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten. Why, they were asked, did you not complete the prescribed amount of bricks either yesterday or today as you did before? So he made it harder for them. That was the question. How did he become, you know, what was the new, uh, the Paro's, uh, how did he react? So he made it worse. When Moshe and Aaron came, he made it much worse for them. Well, and yeah, well, well, yeah. Now they had to. They weren't getting bricks. They had to make the bricks. They had to first get the straw to create the bricks, and yet fulfill the same quota of bricks as they did before. Uh, and um, fill, sorry, fulfill the same quota of building as right. they did before. So it was much harder. So actually, they made it much worse. So, um, so you know what? Um, maybe we'll do the next one together. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Because I feel like we're yeah. a smaller group. Right. Um, so just from the first two, I sort of heard an answer. Um, Moshe comes, right? That first section that you read, yeah. Moshe comes. And what does he do to get everybody's attention? What 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 does he do? What does he do? He, 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 he performs his miracle. Right. I was going to say magic. Right. He does. He does magic. Magic. Right. And what happens? And they, they all take notice and they say, oh, right. And there's he, a, he must be for real. Right, <laughs> right. So they believe him, right? right. They, right. right. They actually, there's a word that's used there, vayamehaam emuna, faith in him. 
right? So it's interesting, right? Because what's the difference between this faith and this faith? At the sea, something changed, right? Well, one's faith in him and one's faith in God. Okay, but at the sea he had both. There was both, right? If you look at the first source, right? Right? So it's both, right? But here he comes, it's like, yeah, new leader, right? Right, he shows his magic tricks, box of magic tricks, and he says, Hashem sent me, and bam. Now he goes, now you just read, right? He goes to... They go. He and Aaron go to Paro, and Paro says, what's the first person Paro says? He's well, Moshe and Aaron are like, okay, let my people go, right? Who's God? Uh, who's yeah, who's, what do I care about? I completely push back. Right, well, There's not even a, he's not even thinking or questioning or asking, right? Who, who are you? I don't know you, right? And then what does he do? Makes it harder. For Makes them. it harder, right? And what do they have to do? Make their own straw. Make the bread. their own straw. And you would think collect their own turn, right. collect the turn, straw. Turn the, the turn, you would think it could turn the people against Moshe. Yes. At that point right. Because yes. he made it. He made it harder right. for them so instead of freeing them. He right. Made it worse. It's just the, the typical reaction yeah. of, of a gullus Jew, you know, where they say, shh, shh, shh don't make waves, you know. Um, Absolutely. Why did start in Germany? Oh, that's interesting. That's Sander Freud, whatever it's Is that called. what it's called? Yeah. Um, in other words, like, shh, shh, don't make you waves, know. which is exactly what it is. Right. Don't make waves, otherwise you're going to make we'll it just, worse for everybody. Just take so just, everything. Just be quiet and, and it'll, it'll, be, it'll be better that way. Right. It won't right. get, at don't. least it won't get worse. Right. Very, which is, 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 is a, is a, it's a, a mindset into the 20th century. So I want to point out that when Moshe first comes, he gathers all the elders. And Hashem had said to him, take Aaron and the elders, but notice who just shows up. There's only two people that right. show up to Aaron. Apparently, the Rashi says that they sort of drifted away. There were like 30 of us, whatever, and then he came, and as they were walking, each of them was like, you know what, i got to go home. I have to get out of here. So then it was just Moses and Aaron. Right. And if you think about it, when you speak truth to power, it really scares people, right? And look at what happened, right? So it actually really backfired. So they yeah, it's, like, it's like, you know, whenever somebody, I always think of uh, this situation in, let's say, in a synagogue or if you're ever right. involved in a, in a school and, and, you know, parents get together, you know, we need to X, Y, and Z. And that's right, that's right. But when it comes down to doing it, who ends up, all the people who seem to rah, rah, and, you know, right. you turn around and got no support. Right. That's what I always think exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like that. You know, talk, but very few people do. Right. right. So, so now you have no straw, same quota, right? And what do they do? How do they find this in verse 12? Then the people scattered throughout all of Egypt. They're looking for straw wherever they can find it, right? Right? And the taskmasters press them, right? And they get beaten because they couldn't actually make the quota, right? Um, and everything changes, right? And they do this, depending on how long they were in Mitzrayim, for a year, or maybe more, depends on how long the plagues were. But basically, they do this for a long time. Your entire job description just changed. 
Okay? Now let's look at number six together. Okay? Um, Bert Fried, would you like to read that in Hebrew? Because this is where it gets very interesting. Okay? Number six. Okay. And then the foreman of the Israelites came to Pharaoh and cried, Why do you deal thus with your servants? No straw is issued to your servants, yet they demand of us, make bricks. Thus, your servants are being beaten when the fault is with your own people. He replied, You are shirkers, shirkers. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Be off now to your work. No straw shall be issued to you, but you must produce your quota of bricks. Now the foremen of the Israelites found themselves in trouble because of the order. You must not reduce your daily quantity of bricks. As they left Pharaoh's presence, they came upon Moses and Aaron standing in their path, and they said to them, May the Lord look upon you and punish you for making us loathsome to Pharaoh and his courtiers putting a sword in their hands to slay us. Wait, who said that to who? Right. The, the, uh, Egyptian, the yeah. Jewish taskmasters. The Jewish taskmasters? Said what it the to overseers say it to Moshe and Aaron. Okay. As they leave the palace and okay. now they have to That you need to be punished because you put a look, Yeah, look, look what, what you did. Yeah, you did this to us. You know, this is almost as if Paro has a sword in his hand, meaning we're all going to die, or not if, right. we don't, you know, if we don't finish the quota, he's going to kill right. us. So look what you right. did. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, why did you bring harm upon this people? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Paro to speak in your name, he has dealt worse with this people. And still, you have not delivered your people. Then the Lord said to Moses, you shall soon see what I will do to Paro. He shall let them go because of a greater might. Indeed, because of a greater might, he shall drive them from his land. Okay, I want you to look at the word in Hebrew. When Moshe turns to Hashem, Vayam. Vayashav Moshe Hashem Vayomer Adoshem. It's obviously, we changed it from El Adoshem. Lama Hariotala Lama Zeshalachtani. What is that first word in Hebrew? What is that first word in, in 23 in Hebrew? Umeaz. From then or ever since. Right here is where you see this word. Umeaz bati el parola de verbi shimcha heira lama zeve hatzel lo hitzalta et amecha. So right here is where Moshe sins. He says something here. What is, what's the sin? And this is what I want us to talk about because I want to understand how it all changed. Okay? Did it change? How it all changed? So what's his sin? He says to God, what does he say to God? Well, he questions him. He questions why God. He accuses, why he accuses him. Why did you do this to us? I did okay. What did he do with his sin? He didn't have faith. Right. Okay. Right. But, so what? Okay, <laughs> so, that's not the I'm going to tell you something that God had already told him before. He says, I'm going to tell you this. He's not going to let you go so fast. This wasn't a surprise. Wow, was this a surprise to Moses? No. He told him this in Midian. Okay, so he goes and he looks at God. Your first try. It's his first try, right? And he says, Lama Hariot, Lama Zel, Lama Zeshulachtani. 
God, what did he say? Why did you bring Ra, bad misfortune, terrible stuff to our people? Why did you do this? And why did you send me? Or sending me is the bid. <laughs> well, tell me, what is, what is, what's the problem here? Is this okay? Why could this be okay? Why could this not be okay? Because he didn't have faith. He didn't have faith in God. In God. And, but what is he doing now? He's the leader, right? But in a way, he's, he's like the, uh, what's the word? Defense attorney? Or he's pleading for the Jewish people. Okay. You so, know, like, he, he says, look what you're doing to them. And not so much about him, but he's trying to help them. Okay, so Moshe said, okay? He's questioning God, right? But not only is he questioning God, what is he saying? Did power do this to God? Do, do this to the Jews? No, Who you, did this to the Jews? You, God, you did this. Yeah, you did it. He's accusing God. You did this. Well, so he has faith. He thinks God does control things. God controls things, but God made it worse. Right? You right. told me to go. Everything was not so great. But now it's really awful. Right? right. So he so says to God, God, you have, he's God. I can tell you not one, not even Abraham, who was giving over his son, ever said to God, why did you make it so bad? No one has ever spoken to God like this until Moshe. No one. And even in the next chapter, he'll say, the Avot knew me, Hashem, God will say to Moses, the, the Avot knew me this way, I'm, you're going to know me this way. This is outrageous. In our day and age, where anyone can say anything to anyone, this doesn't seem to bother us as much. Okay. But he questions it's God. It's a lack of respect. He's questioning God? What is he really questioning? You said you were going to take them out. What is he questioning? He said you brought bad, so he's... He's questioning what? He's calling them a liar. Integrity. Ah, his integrity, okay. Integrity. Calling him a liar. I love that. Tell me about that. Well, he promised, he promised him. He promised Moshe and he promised the, the Jews that, that he's going to take them out. And he sent Moshe to tell Exactly. Pharaoh. And, and Moses did exactly, did exactly what he, what he told, said. Told him what he said to tell him. And Hashem had promised him. Okay. And he did he, he did his part. And Hashem did not come through. Hashem did not come through. Not only did he not come through. It made, it made it worse. It made it worse. And according to the Midrashim, people were killed in this process. There were people that died. Right? They didn't make the quota. Right? They were building bricks. And they were putting children in the bricks. And the Midrash is like full of like all the death and carnage that went on at this time. So, um... Right, so he's God, you look bad, right? And you made it worse for them. And why did you send me? What does why did you send me mean? When you say why did you send me? Why, why, did, why did you bother? What did you why do this you for? You know? I don't want to do this. I told you I didn't want to do this. Yeah. Right? Now everybody's mad at me. Everyone's mad at me. I look bad. I'm your shaliyah. I'm the person who's supposed to be your messenger, right? And people are like, look, because of you. We look terrible in Paro's eyes, and they're killing us. Okay? I have made 
a mess. It's a mess. It got worse. Okay? Questioning God. So I want to play. Okay. Any other any other sins here? There's a, a lot of things going on here. I mean, maybe there's some. But I don't sins. think these are such terrible sins. Okay. It's mitigated by. Because. Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong in questioning. Okay. And challenging and saying it's not turning out how I wanted. Let me let me in on the secret why, why okay. it's not. Okay. So if I say to if I were to ask this, how could Moshe ask this more respectfully? See, because in the question, it's like you brought harm to this people. Well, more respectfully, could have been like, I have faith in you. I know mm-hmm. you're doing right. the right thing, but it's not turning out how I want it. Right. So right. can you help right. me understand? Right, but that's not what he does. And in fact, he himself in the midrash says. The reason I'm using the word Oz here to start singing a song is because I used it over there in this story and it, did, it was I sinned over there. So I'm going to take that Oz, that word the then, and turn it into something nice. I made, I'm going to turn my lemons into lemonade, right? So this is it. This is where he sins. I'm trying to understand what he did wrong here. What was it that he was saying? What what was his actual sin? It makes sense that he, he said, look, it's terrible, right? But it, it was such a sin, right? And, and it is, and apparently he is rebuked for it later and the Mephorshim throw, like, you know, they say, Moshe shouldn't have done this. This was a terrible thing that he did that he asked us. It was just, he just, it was his first try. What happened? He just fell apart, okay? Also, I think what's interesting is that if you just keep reading these two verses, it could seem that he's very concerned about himself. There's a lot of mm. meaning. Nice. Why did you send me? Okay. And why come I came to Paro and you in other words, that's so unlike Moshe. Moshe is known to be the most modest person in the world. Yes. And here he's coming across as almost like um I'm not selfish, where it's like you make me look bad, God. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? You know, it doesn't seem like Moshe, because in the previous uh, chapters, he's so small, he says, who am I to go to Paro? How am I going to save these people? I can't speak again. And now suddenly, it's almost uh, antithetical to him. He seems to be concerned about himself. Okay, so, so there is a focus on the eye. A focus on the eye here. Right. Okay. No, but he's concerned about himself only because... He feels his actions led to bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the he's flip not side of it. Saying right. he's okay. concerned about himself because something bad happened to him. Right. Okay. And so, in fact, nothing so bad did happen. Remember, to this him. is a young Moshe. Right. I mean, he's older. Okay. He's, I think, in his 80s. Um, right. He's 80 when he stands before power. He's 80. Okay. So, but in his leadership, he's young. Okay. Right. Right, and, and he's defending, he's like, what happened? This is terrible, okay? What I want to do is actually, I'm going to read a little bit about Leonard Cohen, and what I want to do... Leonard Cohen, the singer who died? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay, so if you look at number seven, um, Michael Gilmore um, wrote in Rolling Stone magazine a whole piece on Leonard Cohen, remembering the life and legacy of the poet of brokenness. Um, and that's what he called him, and that's what he was known as. Um, the brokenness was always there. It proved central to his music and to the body of poetry and literature. Apparently, 
Um, nobody else had mastered all three disciplines as well as Cohen. So he was a poet, a writer, and a singer. The only people that he's compared to are Bob Dylan and, and Simon and Garfunkel. Mm -hmm. And Bob Dylan's also Jewish. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Simon and Garfunkel are yeah. also Jewish. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I think there was, um, maybe Janis Joplin was in that list of people. Wow. Um, but I'm just saying that that is, you know, his madre God. Okay, and it marked Hallelujah, his most, vi most famous vision of transcendence. So they're going to say that through all of his songs, you're going to see this idea of brokenness. It's not a cry that you hear at night. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. It followed Conan to the Zen monastery. I don't know if you realize, but one day he woke up and he said, I'm going to go and nice. go into the mountains and I'm going to hang out in this monastery where years of contemplation and prayer were sometimes as agonizing as the heart that had driven him there. He was raised as a, I think, a traditional Jew. Yeah, um, was. Grandfather was a Talmudic scholar. Yeah, um, and he goes to an Orthodox, then, an Orthodox okay. show, and he left. Yeah. He left Judaism. He had his like what Rabbi Sachs calls his flirtations with other religions. Um, but did he, he came come back? back? He came, he came back. back. Yeah, he, he came was, back. He was actually buried from the same show that he was raised yeah. in. Really? Yeah. So this song that I want to play. It's, and it's beautiful because yeah. the shul, they, they, they did bury him. The rabbi of the shul wow. spoke about him. There's actually a maharat of that. Rachel really? Kohlweingold is, is at that shul. You're kidding. Oh, so, it's wow. Wow. It's it's the mantra. Yeah. yeah. So, the rabbi um, is from the holiday. Yeah. And are yeah. his kids Jewish? I, I don't know. Maybe I don't, know, I don't know. The first, I don't think the first one is. The one he wrote Marianne for, is she wasn't Jewish. Because he, yeah, he was like... In and out. Yeah, he had a lot of. He was a Buddhist for a yeah. while. Something else. Yeah. But he was, but he was always Jewish. Jewish. He was always Jewish. Was so always finally, Jewish. it even appeared among the final lines of the final song in his final record released weeks before he died. It's over now, the water and the wine. We we're broken then, but now we're borderline. Uh, I want to play at 82, he wrote this song, You Want a Darker. I want to play oh, it. Yeah. I'm going to play it. You're going to yeah. read the words. I want you to imagine that Leonard Cohn, I'll play two songs. I want you to imagine that Leonard Cohn actually read this thing for Moshe, read this thing, and then wrote this song. Imagine it with me, because I think that Leonard Cohn's going to help us open this up a little bit. And, you know, he does write a lot of many songs that have biblical references. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the Hallelujah. Yeah, the Hallelujah itself. Yeah. Yeah. He has a song called Kaddish. Right. Um, he is quite a bit. So let me do my Suzanne takes you down. Suzanne? Did he Suzanne? Suzanne takes you down, by the way. Yeah. Yes, he has, and then Dance to the End of the He has quite a few beautiful songs. Let me just see if I can pull this up. Okay. I bought my Bosey for this. Thank you. 
with lyrics that only looked at a song, you yeah. mentioned Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. Bob Dylan. Right. A song right. wasn't just the music, it was, he was yes. talking through my soul. Yeah. He was so, did you want to, did you want to add anything? Uh, no, you, I, I don't, about I mean, I don't, um, I don't know exactly what he's, okay. I mean, he's, he's writing this to God, he's talking to God. Right, so, Yes, so we're going to, I want to just say that when Rabbi, when Leonard Cohen died, Rabbi Sachs wrote a whole thing saying, you want it darker? It's about Abraham, because he died around, you know, he died in November, but it's about Abraham sacrificing Yitzhak. Except that, yes, there's a Hineni by Abraham, but there's a Hineni by Moshe. Moshe, And when Moshe goes to the burning bush, right, right, Right. Moshe, Moshe, he says, Hineni. And when I looked at this, I thought it was really relevant to Moses' sin, right? Because there's a term that repeats over and over again. And I didn't know if somebody, if this opens it up for anybody a little bit more as to what went on here. What is Moshe, Moshe saying? There's one, there's a title. What's the title? He wanted darker want to kill the flame. What does that mean? You want it darker. And there are terms in here that I thought were so relevant to Moshe. It felt like Moshe was talking to me. If you are the dealer, let me out of the game. Yes. If you are the healer, I'm broken like you killed me over here. What happened over here? You killed them and you killed me. If thine is the glory, mine must be the shame. This is this is your glory, God? Right? You want it darker. What's Moshe saying? What's Moshe saying? You want it worse for the Jews. Thank you. Or, be more charitable. What's going to happen? Before it gets better, it's going to get darker. That's the rule, Hashem. That's how it works with you. It's not magic. It's not children's play. It's not... Mommy's saying, you do good, you get a present. It doesn't work like that. It works like this. That's what Moshe's saying. Moshe's saying, you made it worse. I know you told me that you're going to take them out. But the reality of life is that things get worse before they get better. And Hashem, that is a really hard world to live in. I don't want that world. I don't want to be your messenger. And that is the overwhelm. It's not going to go over well. It's not going to play well. Things are going to get worse before you get better. And if you look, things get worse before they get better. And if you look at every movement to free a people, you look at the civil rights movement, right? Things get worse before they get better. And you know what? This breaks people. Not everybody makes it to the finish line. This is reality. Things get worse before they get better. That's what Moshe's saying. Well, it doesn't have to. Okay, tell me. I mean, what reaction? Yes. Oh, it, I mean, it could be good things always. I mean, why does it have to be that it gets worse? Well, when you're taking on, so what, what's the goal here? We're freeing a people from a despot, from a tyrant, from a Hitler, who has killed their children, has enslaved them, right? He tried to get the midwives to kill the children, right? She couldn't, they couldn't do it. Right? They did this whole run around, work around. 
right? The Midrash talks about, it's awful. It's like a, it's the Holocaust. They talk about how the Egyptians would bring their little babies to the homes of the Jews so that the other babies would crawl out, the hiding little two-year-olds would crawl out and play with them because they would hear other babies. So they play. can kill them? Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, we're talking about any major movement for freedom, right? There's going to be death. There's going to be disappointment. And he said, God, this is how your world works. It's not a given that I'm going to just walk up and, right, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to take time. And it's going to take But it doesn't long. have to. It shouldn't have to. Apparently it does. Right. I mean, I don't know of any movement that hasn't do. taken a little of the kishkas out with you. Anything of value, right? But here, this is about one, one people owning another people. And so, for me, when I heard this song, that is what I think he's saying, is that, Hashem, you want to talk her, right? That's how it operates. Now, it's sort of grim. He was grim. He was, yeah, a, well, he he was, was broken. He was dark and broken. He was very dark. But yet, he was the same person that said, you need to have a crack in everything. So that's how the light gets in. Right? So there so even the people that talk about him often talk about actually he was quite a person of hope and inspiration. And so within his music, um, there's a lot of hope as well. And if you look at sort of his whole legacy that he left, um, I'm just gonna quickly look at Hallelujah because I want to sort of get to some of the answers here as to like what's going on. Um, I'm not gonna play Hallelujah because I don't think we have enough time. Um, but if you look at Hallelujah, um, I'm sure many of you have heard this, and I want you to know, yes, it's true, most people don't know um, much of Leonard Cohn's um, music, but this is the one song that he put a moratorium on because so many people had made it. Apparently he wrote 15 verses. I did not include all 15. I can't even find all 15. He wrote it over five years, um, and he writes that what got him through, he also had uh, fought with deep depression. He fought depression his whole life. And he said what made him feel better or heal or cope is writing music, writing um, lyrics. Um, and Hallelujah was, when he wrote Hallelujah, he was in his worst state, apparently. He was in his, the worst, worst condition. If you notice, I'm just going to read the first two. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah. Well, your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to the kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair, and from your lips she drew the hallelujah, right? So this is... The, this is right, right, right. So there's two stories, yeah. two stories in one, right? right? Yes. Two stories. So... Samson and Delilah. Oh. Right? Uh, she, uh, she, she, you know... Cut she, his strength, right? Cut, her, cut his strength. She tied you in the kitchen. Well, not quite, but, but well, she broke you. Right. And there was another one. You saw her bathing on the roof. Who's that? Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba. Okay, so both of these, David and Shimshon, had callings, right? And somehow, they sinned, right? So this is, again, here Moshe had a calling and he sinned right here Ah, So this, to me, and we can read it some more, but um, if you look at just the, it, it, you know, the last, I think it was um, the last 
the last two stanzas, you say I took the name in vain, I don't even know the name, but if I did, well, really, what's it to you? There's a blaze of light in every word. It doesn't matter which you heard. The holier, the broken hallelujah, I did my best. It wasn't much. Right? I hear Moshe here. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. I've told the truth. I didn't come to fool you. I told the truth. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song when nothing, with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Okay? So to me, this spoke to his piece. It really sent shivers. Yeah. I actually taught this at Every the Hillels of Westchester in a different way. I taught a different kind of text there. One of the girls there, young girl, said to me, I was traumatized when I was younger. And what got me through was writing music and playing music. And she said she sang Hallelujah as a competition, and she sang 15 verses, and she won the competition. Wow. wow. And she was very moved by this. Mm. And the, they made me play the Shrek version. So you can imagine how young these people are. Play the Shrek version of Hallelujah. There's a Shrek, There's a Shrek version. <laughs> and all of them were like, they said, we listen to this when we're stressed out of college, and we come down, mm. but this girl came out of nowhere came out of nowhere to tell me. We talked about Haggadah. It was related to Haggadah. So I feel like this speaks to the part where Moshe says, why'd you send me? Right? I did my best. Right? I, and this speaks to you, what you were saying. Very free. But you said, it's all about me. Right? Okay. I don't want to just leave you with questions. Now we know something happened. Moshe did sin. And I do think when you listen to music or when you look at art, it opens up, it opens up some of the verses in the Torah. And I'm not saying Leonard Cohen read this part, but I'm saying it's amazing how music can make connections and open up. Okay, so let's try to get to the end. So let's go back here. Okay, let's go back here. They cross the sea, right? And I want to point out an interesting midrash that I found, and I'll read it. And I was just like, now when we think of them crossing the sea, how do we remember this crossing of the sea? What happens? Right? They leave Mitzrayim, right? Paro, right, sends his chariots. He's on their tail, right? Right? And Hashem causes some sort of chaos in their camp or whatever and they're not they can't cross and Israel starts to cross by the way how many people crossed anybody remember so let's say a couple million two million Jews crossed I'm going to just tell you some facts if we think it's the Sea of Reeds okay the minimum width of the Sea of Reeds is 16 to 18 miles average width is 174 miles okay and they cross all night a lot of older people. It doesn't mean they all made it. Okay, thank you. Okay, right? Okay, there's the... Think about the older people. Think about the people that couldn't walk with the hips hurting, right? And the people who had to schlep on the wagons. And the, Look, I know my, my son, we'd be going this way, he'd be going that way. And I can't imagine what it was like to really cross it. They were Especially if you say that the waters went like this. The waters went like this. Walls, 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 wal
The Midrash says, number 10. And from where do we know that they also rebelled at the Sea of Reeds? And we're going to see this in the Haggadah. The Haggadah says that there was some sort of rebellion by the Jews that happened while they were crossing. When they descended into the sea, it was full of mud. For until now, it was wet from its contact with the water, which makes a lot of scientific sense to me. And it therefore had a mud-like texture, as it is stated, from Tanakh, you have trodden the sea with your steeds in the clay of abundant water. So they take this other pasuk and another part of the, 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 the Bible, and they say, oh, this is, they're referring back to the sea. We see from here that when the sea split, the abundant water gave way to clay. And a Reubenite would say to a Simeonite, right? Somebody from the tribe of Reuben would say to a Simeon, from the tribe of Simeon in Egypt. Here we go. Here was a complaint. We labored with mud, and in the sea we were mired in mud. In Egypt, we labored with clay and bricks, and in the sea, we were mired in the clay of abundant water. Our situation is no better than it was in Egypt. So now, love to complain. They, yes, do they do love to complain. So, a lot of a miracle, the water standing and then looking at their feet, and they go, oh my God, like this, you get mud. I want to say that if you're Ben Israel, okay, and you're going through this for a year, and I can tell you even later, Moshe tries to talk to them, and they're like, we're not listening to you. And there's a pastor, actually, have it here. He approaches them again, and they won't talk to him because of, they won't talk to them because they did their Moshe, he tries to speak to them again soon after, saying, Hashem really sent me, don't worry, and they're like, listen, I'm working too hard, and I'm in a bad mood, okay? I want you to think for a second, okay? You are made to do something that you had no responsibility for. You're doing a project. You don't see the point. In fact, you're being tortured for it. All right? There's no value in that job. Except what you don't realize is that job is preparing you for something that you're going to do at the most important moment of the Jewish nation. You are running all over Egypt. You are tracking through muck to find the straw. You've got to run right back. You've got to meet a quota every day. What does that do to you? What does that make you? We can do. We can do? Yeah. Because yeah. you. you can't meet the quota. So well, they are meeting the quota. Well, some okay. are. Okay, let's put it this way. But they're, but they're some are. They're, some aren't. Working like really hard. They're getting stronger. They're stronger. Uh-huh. They're getting physically stronger. They're getting emotionally stronger. Emotionally stronger. Right? You, and you think their hardship makes you stronger? Yeah. I'm giving you an example. I'm going to give you a. I like that you asked that question because I'm not sure it does. I'm going to give you. I want to walk you this way, and I'm going to walk you this way. We're going to go your way in a second. Okay. Okay. They're also learning how to walk in mud because to build the clay bricks, you got to wood. You're walking like this. You got to learn how to skate. Right? For the one moment, which is right here, which is the greatest walk marathon of the Jewish nation. Okay? And so they crossed, they complained, they crossed, but they could do it and they could help each other and they could take their parents on their backs and their children and hold them and their wives and everybody shove them across as fast as they can because they've been practicing all year for the greatest Olympic trial of their life. One that will save the nation. One that will get two million people across. So you know what? That one thing you thought was of no value has value. 
And many times in life we find ourselves doing things. Oh, what am I doing this for? I'm sitting with young girls in Shabbat Mara. Why do we have to learn this? I'm sure it's a teeth. What's the point? Why did I have to go through that in my life? I went through that 10 years ago. I don't, oh, now I see. 10 years later. I see why. Because I can talk to somebody who's been through that same episode of pain and I can be there for them. I can give them strength. We have no idea what we go through in life. None. But when they cross, they're like, okay. We, were, we really believe Moshe, but we're always a little mad at him because of what he did to us for that one year. Now we get it. Now we get it. We thought he was making it darker. Actually, Hashem was preparing us. Because God can do so many things, but he can't make me fly. God can open the water, but he can't make a person fly. It's not going to happen. The world doesn't work like that. Okay. So that's assuming... But it could have been that the bricks, moving the bricks, made them weaker because they hurt their back. Now let's talk about that. I want to talk about that because I want you to look back at Leonard Cohen. Okay? Because I agree with you. Maybe they weren't so. Maybe they did complain. Maybe they were just regular human beings. I want you to look at the last one. The last one, which is on number 12. And I think this is also important. And I think it's important when we sit around the table. Okay, I don't want to call us sinners, but Leonard sang always as a sinner. He refused to describe sin as a failure, as a disqualification. Sin was a condition of creatureliness, and his feelings for our creatureliness was boundless. Even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. What does hallelujah mean? He's blessed God. Even if all that crap, excuse me, he's still singing hallelujah. The singer's faults do not expel him from the divine presence. Instead, they confer a mortal integrity upon his exclamation of praise. He's the inadequate man, the lowly man, the hurt man, the man who's also given hurt. Right? Mm. Insisting modestly but stubbornly, except in this other song, upon his right to a sacred exaltation. I'm who I am, but little me can praise you, God. And that is also this other side, other side of this. Maybe they complained. Maybe there was, maybe there was no purpose. There was no purpose. I didn't have to do that for a year. That was absolutely ridiculous, God. And forever I'm mad at you about that. But guess what? You're still God. Guess what? You took us out. In the end, you took us out. In the end, we're free. How we got there, we can talk about the way it should have been done. And yet, right, we're in relation. We're always connected. We're always in relation. And maybe that relationship will not be perfect. And I say this because around the Seder table, we have all kinds of people. We have different people from our families, people who have faith, who lost faith appropriately recently. You can't tell people, you know, there are things that happen to people in life. We have all kinds of people. There's a moment for us to connect, to hear our stories, to share our stories, good stories, mm-hmm. tough stories. How'd you get through it? Not just enough to say, oh, you went from right here, you from Russia. What happened? What happened? How was your year? Oh, you were in college. What was, what was mm-hmm. challenging for you? What was great for you? Because this is an opportunity for us to grow as a people, as a nation, because everybody left Egypt. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody left. So with that, I just give everybody a breath. I thank you for coming. Wow, thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and that's your Abdo because he still remains. Yes. So now yeah. he is. So they recognize him as Ebed Hashem because 
he is really truly because he gets them out of Egypt. Either way, he gets at the end of the day he delivers on his first promise. Um, but depending on how you look at it, whether they actually there was value in that whole year of them suffering or not, or maybe they'll always stay angry at Hashem, and maybe they'll always be complaining that this happened. But either way, um, there was a recognition that that there was this was a major change right here in the people's ability to believe in God. And depending on how you look at it, you're God, okay, I'm always going to have issues with you, or guess what? Everything has a purpose. Everything has value. Everything will make sense, and sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, that's okay. There's a peace. Somehow there's some peace that they've arrived at when they get over the other side.